Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to episode 30 of the Millionaire Muslim podcast. Jazakallah khair for tuning in. Whether you're on the train, on your commute, whether you're in the car, whether you're cleaning up, whatever it is that you're doing, Jazakallah khair for taking the time out to listen to the latest episode. We really appreciate it. So this episode is with a company called Primary Finance, who are a startup looking to revolutionize the Islamic mortgage market, not just for Muslims, but for everybody. And they believe that they have a model which can work without debt and sustain itself through recessions and is completely ethical in its nature. And we would love to see them succeed, inshallah. So do lend them your support, not just by listening to the episode in its entirety, but also by lending them any financial support that you can as well, inshallah. If you've come across this episode without knowing who we are, I am Mohsin, and the chap that you'll hear interviewing Primary Finance shortly is Ibrahim. We are the co-founders of a website called islamicfinanceguru.com which is a website that has a bunch of content designed to help you with your halal investing, your personal finance and entrepreneurship journeys. So definitely do check the website out if that sounds like it would be interesting to you. And do subscribe to our email list as well so that you're kept abreast of all the latest updates. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Millionaire Muslim podcast by Islamic Finance Guru. And I'm very excited to be here with uh, Primary Finance today, the team from Primary Finance. So we've got Ahsan, we've got Razaullah, and we've got Salman, Sheikh Salman, um, who many of you will have heard of from the Ibn Jabal days as well. And I think you've done a lot of things in the interim, but we'll get into all of that. Um, the reason why we're talking to these guys is because at Islamic Finance Guru, or well, the last few years, one of the big topics of discussion has been um, where, you know, are Islamic mortgages really Islamic and is there a really truly halal version of an Islamic mortgage or a mortgage in general? And if so, point me in the right direction. And Primary Finance are a young company they have been running for the last few years. You've been developing the model, working with the FCA, and they believe that they've come up with the, the solution. So um, excited as I am to talk to them, I've turned up and inshallah we're going to find out all about this. So um, perhaps one of you guys can just in a nutshell tell us, you know, what, what is Primary Finance? Uh, yes, yeah, so, so Primary Finance is uh, very much an ethical provider of home finance. Uh, we've developed a brand new type of home finance, which is a rival to a traditional mortgage, which is based on the principles of Sharia, but aimed at being uh, relevant to people of all backgrounds, not just Muslims. And the way our model works is effectively on the principles of co-ownership or partnership. So although the home buyer technically owns the property from day one, uh, their name is on the title deed. We have an agreement that we treat uh, the product or the, the property as a partnership. And what that means is we take all risks jointly as partners and we make decisions as partners. So to give an example, if two people purchase a car together, or if you and I purchase a car together and we each put in 50% of the value for the car, yeah. neither one of us has loaned money to the other one we are both partners in the car. So you don't owe me the money I've put in, I don't owe you the money you've put in. And this is the principle of the product that we've created. Brilliant, brilliant. And um, it'd be really interesting to hear your your own personal stories about what brought you to doing primary finance in the first place. Hmm. So maybe I could start with um, Ahsan. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think for me, I, I probably would say I'm closest or more akin to the, the typical home buyer. So, you know, my, my background is in the financial services. Um, so I see a lot of products out on the market. 
um, and as someone that is tries to practice their faith you know when you go to acquire a home you go out uh, to the market and you think well what can I what, what products are available for me to buy my home right. so th there's a number of products and, and one of the things that comes becomes quite apparent very quickly is a lot of them are uh, your typical mortgage as you would consider them your conventional mortgage your debt-based products mm. and the alternatives are very few and far between so uh, you know it, this this conversation isn't really about whether um, you know those products are halal or not. It is very much a case of if you went out to the market and you said, "Well, I want an Islamic product which is competitive, which mm. is fair, uh, which puts me in the driving seat um, as a home buyer." Then are there any products out there? Now, for me personally, I didn't feel that that was the case. Um, so being in the the financial services and kind of the investment alternative investment sphere. I thought and felt that there could be something better and I felt that you know um, it was one of those instances where I could either sit and wait for someone to come along with a solution or I could put you I could take my skill sets um, and put those to good use and for me that was probably the the driving force a, a number of years ago a number of years ago um, and that kind of spurred me on to trying to find a solution um, and I guess really that brings us to where we are here today after nice. uh, many years and uh, many days of uh, 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 exercise in our, our passion for coming up with a uh, viable solution. And do you and do you guys know each other from from quite a long time? How how did you come together? It's quite interesting actually. So uh, Sheikh Salman, as you mentioned uh, very rightly, uh, was previously involved in the Ibn Jabal Institute, and actually I was one of the students. At the I see, I see. So that was actually the first time we met each other. Um, but at that time, that was several years before primary finance was even uh, an idea in in my head. Uh, it was actually several years later that. Uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours put us in touch. So I, I founded Primary Finance a couple of years ago, and I was looking for. So I put, you know, I put the, uh, I, I guess the structural bones together of the product, and I was looking for somebody who can sign off from a Sharia perspective. Yeah. Uh, and I was going around the houses, and a mutual acquaintance of ours who works at the Bank of England actually put us in touch, and it was then that I realised right in it, Sheikh Salman. <laughs> I, I know yeah. you already. Uh, I actually at the time when I was at Ibn Jabal didn't realise Sheikh Salman was a qualified solicitor as well. I see. Yeah. And so it just ended up being, you know, the perfect match and Sheikh Salman came on and then uh, Ahsan and I, um, so uh, when I was working in the London markets in the financial sector, Ahsan and I used to work very, very close to, close by to each other and I see. We, we ran in mutual circles and that's how we met and got to know each other and Hassan came on as a result of that. And from, from our sheer magnetism we just collided together <laughs> <laughs> and I think part of that is, you know, um, uh, you know the fact that we we were like uh, like-minded people, and mm -hmm. I think the fact that um, Raza was very passionate about it, I was very passionate about it, and so when we would have discussions, um, just kind of maybe uh, airing our thoughts about things, and you know that 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 spurs on conversations. But like I'm going out onto the market and I'm thinking about buying my home, but then you know it costs three times as much, or you know mm -hmm. there's there's certain issues or complexities in there that I'm not comfortable with. That then brings you on to that. I wish there was a better solution. And it's that moment where you kind of look at each other and go, well, maybe we could do something about that. Mm -hmm. So I think part of that is, you know, the passion that we both had and everyone has within team um, kind of uh, exerts out of us. And yeah. that's what drew us yeah. together. And it's, it's an interesting point you mentioned about, you know, how there's this kernel of you know, I can do something here about this problem that I've identified. And that's a very entrepreneurial street, which mm -hmm. I think, Sheikh Salman, you mm -hmm. know, you've always kind of displayed that where, 
you know, from from when I've when I've heard of you, mm-hmm. you've been setting up institutions and organisations. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know where the earliest point in your life was where that started. Well, it started straight out of university. I um, after graduating, I studied law, um, <clears throat> but in my heart of hearts, I realised I'm actually uh, passionate about Arabic. And most of the people I've met and dealt with in my life have actually been uh, my Arabic students. So my, my, my network is actually quite vast because there's been hundreds, maybe thousands of people I've, I've taught Arabic to. And then we've started working in other capacities and as an example of that. Um, and uh, and I continue to do that. So a lot of the people who, who are now coming to me about primary finance, about Insure Halal, which is the other business, the Islamic insurance business that we have, are a lot of our, my Arabic student network. Uh, and now I teach through the Arabica Institute. Um, so I want to talk about the passion that, 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 that kicked this off. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I came out of university, decided I didn't want to be a lawyer, went off to Damascus, studied Sharia. Um, how, how long were you there? I was there three years. Much, um, yeah. And then um, I specialised in Hanafi fiqh um, and various other sci- Sharia sciences, um, came back. Um, and then somebody suggested, why don't you become an Islamic finance lawyer? Mm. Um, so I thought, well, I avoided being a lawyer, but Islamic finance is interesting. <laughs> so I thought it's, it's a great job because it, I'd, get, I'd get paid to study Sharia, which is the perfect job. And where can you get someone who, who pays you <laughs> to yeah, study? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a professional student. So I, so, I, so I joined an English law firm, worked a bit here in London, and then in, out in Dubai for a while. What law firm was it? Um, Simmons and Simmons. Oh, okay, cool. So, um, and I, spe- I only did Islamic finance. Um, <clears throat> But the thing that really um, I found gr- grinding was that throughout the Islamic finance industry, you had Islamic banks, Islamic financial institutions, reverse engineering uh, conventional interest-based products hmm. through through various mechanisms and essentially creating uh, debt in the same way that hmm. conventional banks create debt. <clears throat> and I thought to myself that um, maybe uh, what we could do is let's, let's do something refreshing, yeah. something where the financial institution or the financier does take genuine risk mm. in the asset that they finance and, um, and it's a non-debt-based product and that's essentially mm. what primary finance is. Brilliant. Um, so I mean, that sounds um, like a perfect time to you know, ask you how what you guys are up to is different from anything that's come before in the Islamic mortgage space. Mm-hmm. The Islamic finance space. Yeah, yeah. So from a Sharia perspective, I think the key difference between what we're doing and uh, many of the other Islamic financial products. Now we're not here to say that a a financial product uh, provided by any other institution is or is not Sharia compliant. That's right. not our job. So we're here to speak about primary finance, and what we want to say is that we don't require the home buyer to buy our share off of us, of the property. Suppose we put down 90% on day one, they put down 10, yeah. and then they will buy our share over, from us over time. So it's mm. like a diminishing musharaka. It's, yeah. it's a co-ownership that diminishes over time. Now, we don't require the customer to buy our share off us if they can't or don't want to. Mm. So essentially, they don't owe us any money except the rental bit. Right. So because of that, there's no debt. <clears throat> and that means that if there's a loss made on the asset in a, in a very remote situation where there might be a negative equity situation mm. and for some reason we just have to sell the property and a loss is realized on the asset. Mm. As the financier, we will yeah. and we must, for Sharia mm. compliance purposes, yeah. take our share of that loss. Mm. That's the first key thing. Yeah. And the second key thing is that because they don't have to buy our share, they're never in debt. So, for yeah. example, if they, if they lose their job and they can only pay the rent bit, 
then they can just carry on paying the rent until they get another job. We mm. won't go in and foreclose, take their property and sell it quickly mm. just to rec recoup our money. We just simply mm. will not do that. And there's also a couple of other more commercial things which actually uh, separate us from the pack. So in particular, the amount of flexibility we give to the home buyer. So if you imagine a conventional mortgage, the home buyer must, play, must pay interest plus capital in every single month. It's a fixed amount they must make in every yeah. single month. If you're a penny yeah. less, it's considered a default scenario. Whereas what we allow the home buyer to do is pay rent as a minimum, but then purchase any amount of equity back from us they wish, which could be zero if they want, or as much as they like. And we will, our intention is to always sell the equity back to them at whatever it costs us. Mm. Now, uh, what that means is the home buyer has incredible flexibility. Uh, so when times are good, they can purchase more equity. When times are tough, they can just pay rent. Now, we actually, be, although the home buyer only needs to pay rent every month, we don't want to trap people in a rental cycle. Mm. And so what we do is we actually incentivize the home buyer to purchase equity by giving a very significant rental discount in any month where they purchase a, a recommended level of equity. Mm. So, for example, if you say to me, I want to fully own my home after 10 years, we will calculate how much equity you should be purchasing every month to fully own your home after 10 years. And if you stick to that amount of equity in any given month, we'll give you a, re a rental discount in each of those months of up to 50%, which mm. is humongous. Mm. So to put that into context, let's say we're 50-50 partners. And <clears throat> to rent the property normally on the open market would cost you £1,000 per month. Yeah. Because we're 50-50 owners, we'll charge you market rent, so it's not, not linked to interest rates, linked to the open market. We'll charge you market rent scaled down for our share. So instead of paying £1,000 per month, you only owe £500 per month. Mm. But now, uh, now, whenever you make that recommended level of equity purchase, we'll scale that rent down even further to only £250 per month, for example. Now, right. the discount will vary from customer to mm. customer, but it can be up to 50%, so it's very significant. Mm. And what that provides is a massive incentive for people to actually purchase their homes mm. rather than just rent for the rest of their lives. But they can choose to, as, uh, as, as you were discussing, just choose not to purchase Absolutely. their home. Absolutely. They um, can choose to... I mean, many people rent all their lives as a lifestyle mm. choice, right? That's mm. a lifestyle choice. And it's not for us to say... You know, if I have a pen, I can't force you to buy my pen off of me. Mm. It's up to you if you want to buy mm. it, right? Similarly, we own a share of the property. We can't force you to buy our share off of us. It's entirely mm. up to you. So you can just choose to rent all your life if you like, or you can buy our share off of us. And this gives incredible flexibility. It also makes the pricing very, very clever because when the home buyer is treating the product like a rental product, they're paying rent in line with renting on the open market. Yeah. When they're treating it like a home finance product, the rental discount aligns the cost to the high street so they pay in line with other home finance products and it makes it yeah. very competitive so this is so th this sounds really interesting would do you think that there's a uh, possibility that you'll get people who are not muslim who are going to be using your product as well Absolutely. So we've had incredible responses across the board from Muslims and non-Muslims. Uh, I mean, the, the beauty of this product is that it's blind to your belief system or your faith or your creed or your colour or anything. It's just a very ethical, very fair product. You know, the uh, traditional products at the moment offered by conventional banks, uh, they pass all of the risk onto the home buyer and the bank effectively takes all of the reward. Uh, and they are very, very uh, stringent upon what you must and must not do. And you can lose your home if, if you don't stick to those very stringent requirements. Yeah. What we've done is make the uh, contract much more equitable between the financier and the home buyer so that you share the risks, you share the rewards, uh, and you make all decisions together and you're, 
you know, you have security of your home. This is, this is another very unique point about our product. We have the concept of an equity buffer. So whatever money you put into the property is your equity in the property. If you, let's say, can't afford to pay your rent, you can actually trade equity with us instead. I see. So to put that into context, yeah. uh, the average home buyer who has, let's say, a 10% down payment, if they lose their job on day one and they can't afford to pay rent from day one, that equity buffer will on average see them through two to four years of trading wow. equity back to us. Whereas a conventional mortgage, you may get two months mm. and then the bank will come along while you're down on your knees, having the hardest time of your life and yeah. potentially kick yeah, you out yeah, and yeah. you may end up with nothing. So we give incredible security to the home mm. buyer, which I don't believe any other product in the world offers at the moment. Wow. And how um, how long have you guys been running and what have you been up to since uh, since you launched? So we haven't actually launched yet. We're looking to launch, inshallah, middle of the year. Yeah. We've been in development stages for the last couple of years, but inshallah, we're very, very close to launching now. And um, you talked about how there was a lot of traction that you were getting. Um, what kind of conversations have you, you know, have you had with potential customers, and what's been their feedback? Um, that you've I think the response that we've had back from potential customers is overwhelming. I think every everybody that we've spoken to about the product, um, and, and as Reza has discussed, he's touched on some of those elements. Um, you know, it, it's been really positive, and I think a lot of the times the the question is kind of reverse of actually saying, "Are you really able to do this?" Because you know, you, you just kind of have a mindset of kind of going back to my original point of most yeah. people think the status quo is a debt-based mortgage yeah. is the only thing that you have as an option when you buy a home. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you put something else on the table, it's very alien. Yeah. So it, it takes a while for people to get their head around the fact that, oh, actually, uh, I didn't realize that you could buy a home um, with a, a product that wasn't a debt. So you, as soon as you introduce the idea of a partnership, you go, well, that's really simple. Mm. And so, you know, the topics that Raz has been talking about and the, the concepts that we have in this product are really simple. And, uh, you know, they can be explained and someone will actually, and, and the feedback, as, you, as you're saying, the, the feedback from customers has been overwhelming on the base. They go, that's actually rather simple. And I understand that mm. compared to a, a, a typical mortgage where you go, well, you know, I'm not always certain. I just know that I've borrowed X amount of money. I've purchased my home yeah. and I need to give that back. But I don't really know how much I'm paying back by the end of it. Mm. And I know that 20, 30 years down the line, you know, uh, if I get in trouble, then I really have to think about my financial position. Whereas when you put this proposition in front of them, you know, immediately you kind you see that people are a little bit more relaxed and they go, well, actually, so right, so what you're saying to me is I'm a partner in this and, you know, if I am fi suffering financially, I have a stake in it. Oh, that, that sounds like a partnership. That feels like a partnership. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, for, for people to understand it conceptually, it's very easy. Yeah. And so, therefore, when they ask the question, it's, you know, for, for most people, most of our customers, it's very much, how soon can you launch? Mm -hmm. And how soon can we have the product? Uh, so and that's can I be your first customer? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to be the first customer. We've got a really simple question, and we frame it like this, that if you could purchase your home, and get financing on it, hmm. and over 20 to 30 years, you pay approximately what you'd pay elsewhere, hmm. but never be in debt. Yeah. Would you go for it? Yeah, of course you would. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're a Muslim or a non-Muslim. The answer to that is always yes. Hmm. And then people say, well, what's the catch? And we say, guess what? There is no catch. <laughs> it, it's true. This is possible. Yeah, and, and the key is, I think part of it is, you know, Pete, 
I, I think, as they say, there's no such thing as a free hot dinner. But but in this instance, it's not free. But the point being is just it's something that's new and something mm. that's alien where people are going, why well, I, I just didn't know that you could buy a home like this. And, you know, there is there is a space in this uh, in, yeah. in the financial market for such a product. And so when they go, well, actually, um, I can buy my home. It costs roughly about the same amount and I'm not in debt. Right, there's got to be something iffy about it's that. Got to be a cat. <laughs> yeah, because that's because everyone's so used to going. Well, if I have a mortgage, mm. then if I don't make a payment, I've defaulted. Then three defaults, three strikes down the line, I'm my house is getting repossessed. Mm. So that's so you know people have coming from a very sceptical uh, position. So we're trying to bring people back to normality of actually saying, well, no, that's a very punitive way of looking at it. Yeah. Whereas if you look at it from a more equitable, equitable way, this is just the norm. And to kind of rephrase that classic um, question you get um, why do you think that someone hasn't done this um, before and why do you think now is the right time uh, all things considered for you guys to do what you're doing I think the reason it's not been done before is because the banks have dominated the market and their funding model works very differently to our funding model so the way a bank conventionally works and let's not get into how illegal I think this should be but the way a bank conventionally works is you deposit £100 in your bank account. The bank lends £98 of your money out. Mm. Uh, so they've created £98 out of thin air because it's still your money sitting in your account. You have mm. immediate access to it. But now somebody else is walking around with £98 as well. So they've created £98 out of thin air. Uh, it's called the money multiplier effect if people want to go and look it up. Uh, and so they lend that money out. They make a return on it. And they give a very small fraction of that back to you in your depositor account. Uh, but the only way they can get away with doing that is if they can absolutely guarantee you're going to get that money back mm -hmm. and that it's going to be available to you on demand. Yeah. Right. So to be able to guarantee that, they can't take risk with that money. That means they have to pass all of the risk onto the home buyer. Mm. Right? They can't accept any of the risks themselves. They can't accept any of the partnership risks. And that's why the banks haven't done it today because their funding model doesn't really support it. Now, banks do have investor accounts and they get investment mm. money in as well. But the bulk of their... Uh, funding model comes through depositor accounts. That's how the whole lending cycle works. Yeah. And so that's why it's not really been done to date. Whereas we're coming with a completely fresh approach. We're not a deposit taker, we're not a bank. The way we'll be funding it is through investors mm. who know that there is a risk attached to the investment because mm. we have to share in the downside risk if the downside risk crystallizes. Yeah. Uh, and therefore they understand that it is an investment and not a guaranteed deposit. Yeah. And the funding proposition is very different and that's why it's actually possible in this case. Interesting. So there's, um, uh, so y your um, source of capital is uh, traditionally a lot more expensive than what the banks have. Um, so my question, and this is an open question, um, is would you guys not be under some pressure when you, know, you have a credit crunch type scenario um, and um, would, would, is it not fair to say that if your source of capital is more expensive, then the product has to be more expensive as well as a result? So, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. so we believe we can offer the product for a very, very competitive rate uh, compared to what the banks would be charging on the high street. We're not going to go ahead and say we'll be the cheapest on the high street. Right. Yeah. There's no way we could be even if we were offering the same product because you've got giants like HSBC and yeah. Barclays. Uh, but at the same time, we believe we can offer it for a rate that we shouldn't be the most expensive on the high street. Uh, we we have a very firm intention not to charge more than we have to charge. So mm. what we don't believe in is the uh, Muslim tax, where 
you know, Muslims pay more just for being Muslims, mm. right? That's something which goes completely against our fundamental beliefs and values mm. in this business. So we charge what we yeah. have to charge, but we believe we can make that very, very competitive. Mm. I suppose you, you will have to always charge some premium, um, given that, uh, you know, you're a startup and you know, you've got all of that structuring cost that comes with it and you've not got scale necessarily. And arguably in the first instance, given that you've got a relatively smaller audience, um, you know, you need to charge commensurately. Do you think that's fair? Well, what is fair is that our investors are taking risk mm. uh, and so they need to be uh, compensated for the risk they're taking. But what wouldn't be fair is to charge more than the amount of compensation we need to give them. So even though we're a startup and we're small and we don't have the economies of scale, uh, we're operating on a very different basis to a very large entity, mm. right? Uh, and what we want to do is be a very tech-focused business where technology drives uh, you know, the whole customer experience from start to sale to managing the payment system on, mm. on a day-to-day -day or monthly basis. Uh, make it very tech-focused and therefore be very streamlined and have a very streamlined expense base so that we can offer uh, a very competitive rate. And how's that, um, how's that working? I mean, I speak from personal experience. I know that a lot of... Um, startups that we talk to struggle with the, the tech side of things because there's a bit of a dearth in the market for you know just the, the skill sets that you need. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right, as in, I think what, what's quite evident, just if you kind of step away from maybe Islamic finance, but just look out onto the market across the board, there, there's a number of startup companies that have, um, that have come about, um, uh, you know, just within, just mentioned a few, like for example, Monzo, Revolut, um, I think there's a new one called Flux, um, Flux, sorry, which is basically the, the startup, the, the technology is there, so I think for, from our perspective, I don't think we're going to be reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Um, but there is a challenge and the, and the challenge is making sure that you have I think that from our perspective and, and the way I see it is the technology is available the skill sets are there but it's the that implementation and mm. so that you know you, you've got a home buyer that can from day one have a system that is usable and that is user-friendly all the way from start to finish um, and maybe maybe that be will, will be part of our strategy in terms of saying well we have a system in place so that it's there from day one um, but also the the other point is you know touching on that startup struggle with that that's maybe because that might be something that is secondary mm. and and they're focusing on the product um, from our perspective the product is already there it's available it's really just kind of wrapping that up in in a nice bowl which will just be that technology mm. side of things um, and so from that perspective I don't think it's that much of a challenge. Um, I think there's obviously going to be challenges to make sure that it's user friendly um, and it addresses all the, the kind of usability functions yeah. um, and user experience uh, points that we want it to. Um, but I think that's just going to be uh, part of our journey. Um, and I think it's already been tried and tested and we're walking down the trodden path. So I think the risk is a lot less. Mm. Uh, but I, I still would say it's still a challenge, but it's something that I think on, on the technology with. we actually have an advantage over big financial institutions because they're so big and they have to handle so much data and they're so heavily regulated because of all of that data, they find it very, very difficult to move and transition into new technology. Whereas because we're a startup, we're very new and light, so we can we're adopt, nimble. we're nimble, we can adopt mm. all of the latest technology, and that's the experience we had with Insure Halal. So we're an insure tech solution. And we were able to take all the latest APIs, latest technology, and set, set up very mm. quickly 
<coughs> we didn't have to reinvent it. We just brought it in from uh, from partnerships with existing technology providers, and, that, that, and that's how we will operate. We, we, as you said, we don't reinvent the wheel. And it's an interesting point, and I think part of that is kind of going back to one of your your previous questions, which is why are other people not doing it? Because part of that is cost, and, P and banks are cost sensitive, mm. institutions are uh, cost sensitive as well. Um, and so what you have is institutions that have legacy software, legacy systems, and then to then move along with the the kind of the progress or the evolution of banking for example and and just to like draw from my own experience and I won't mention it so I'm I'm with a conventional bank um, and I'm also with one of the new digital banks and what I found quite shocking was how one of these new startup companies was providing me um, information functionality on on the banking side which I would have expected from one of the bigger banks mm, yeah but that wasn't coming and the reason why is the key is nimble is they've gone right the banks exist but they've got systems which make it cumbersome make it difficult for them to be nimble and for them to move with the times so why don't we look afresh and say right let's let's just start from this point and say well what does the 20th century individual now want mm. well they want to see where their money's going how it's being spent um, and one of the key things is take a lot of feedback there's a big emphasis on, you know, from Kickstarters and startup companies uh, that are going, right, give us your feedback, give us your ideas, mm -hmm. and then building that into the technology. And I think that's going to play a key role on how not just us, but other startup companies are going to roll out their technology platforms. So because our product is so dynamic and flexible, uh, a customer can, can on a daily or, or a monthly basis decide, well, this month I do or don't want to purchase equity in my property. Mm. And all they do is open up their app and then um, elect what they want to do, right. and it will recalculate how much their rental is, and then and, re, re, and they can decide do they want to extend their term or do they want a slightly higher monthly payment from next month to 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 to, to address that. So so it's yeah, yeah. and and I mean this technology solution is going to grow over time. It's not a one-off shot, mm. right? So the idea being that you know when I mentioned we want to inshallah launch by the middle of this year. We don't need to have the full technology solution in place to right. be able to launch and start doing business. Yeah. But the idea is we want to grow that and improve it uh, continually over time. And we are starting to see the big banks adopt technology solutions now, but the take-up has been incredibly slow and mm. incredibly lagging behind the startups. Yeah. So, you know, you've got great success stories in, in the uh, fintech space. Uh, and some of the new online-only banks, you know, we set up a bank account where, with a, a, a new bank called Tide, which is an online-only yeah. bank, and it took us five minutes to set up our account. Yeah. We uploaded our information digitally. We had the uh, card delivered two days later. We were up and running. Mm. Whereas to set up a bank account with the likes of HSBC or uh, Metro Bank, for example, it takes a very, very long time. Metro Bank pride themselves on how quickly uh, yeah. you can set up a bank account with them, a small business bank account. Yeah. And even then, it just takes incredibly mm. long. Whereas with Tide, we're up and running in literally five minutes. And mm. that's that's the technology, you know, that's our ambition. That's where we want to get to. That the customer can apply for finance through their smartphone. Yeah. They can upload all their documentation, have their ID checked in real time while yeah. they're looking into their camera. Yeah. And then uh, they can get an acceptance in principle, uh, you know, in record time rather than having yeah. to come in and out of branches. Mm -hmm. And then once they're actually, uh, you know, up and running, they can, as Sheikh rightly mentioned, change their payment profile from month to month uh, whenever they like, as much as they like. And do you think that you will be um, able to be a bit uh, more lenient when it comes to uh, credit history and things like that? Um, given that this is not a debt product. So so that's certainly where we want to get to. 
But initially, whilst we're small, we have to be very careful how much risk we take. Mm. Now, because of the built-in security mechanisms I mentioned, like the equity buffer, mm. in theory, we can take more risk, right? Because the equity buffer actually uh, eliminates some of that risk for us. Yeah. But whilst we're small, whilst we don't have a very uh, stable, uh, big book of business, we need to be a bit careful in limiting that. But we certainly want to get to that point once we start scaling up and uh, you know have a lot more business. We want to, you know, our ultimate ambition is to help people get onto yeah. the property ladder, help people who have struggled to get finance in the mm. past, especially the financially excluded. They're the ones we're mm. really trying to support. But we need to be careful how quickly we start the, doing the, that. The advantage that we have over a lot of the traditional banks is a lot of them, when they, when they check your credit history or your affordability checks, they use a very blunt instrument. So they will assume that your monthly cost is because you have yeah. a, a house and whatever and so many children and you know, X, Y, Z, that your monthly cost is such and such. But actually, that can vary quite significantly between different families. Mm. And so, um, because we're small and we're, we're technology-driven, we can actually be much, much more sensitive to the actual needs of the customer, where, where a bank might turn them away. We can say, actually, you can afford this because we can see that your monthly costs aren't as high as, say, another big bank would assume mm. it is. Yeah, I think it's worth also adding just onto that, as in part of it is we don't believe that we can only do this when we're small, it's, scal it's scalable. So the, po the point being is, I think really, because we're, we're looking at this through fresh lenses and, and saying, well, actually, what's wrong with the current way it's done? Yeah. And what's the wrong with the way the conventional banks are done? And don't get me wrong, th there's a reason why they do it and they have those processes and frameworks and checks in place. Um, but what we're saying is maybe we can look at it slightly differently and, and be more agile and, and take more um, information points, if you will, because there's so much data available now. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I can't remember the statistics, but it's something along the lines of in the last, last 20 years, we've collated more data uh, through the internet and so forth than we have in the last hundred years or something like that. So it's, it's, it's don't quote me on that, but that's it, it's just yeah. kind of showing that, um, you know, we've been able to amass a wide amount of data and the more, the more and more we see these tech firms come up, the more data that they have. So pricing somebody is in theory easier because you can start to see what, you know, uh, what the, the kind of challenger banks um, have and the, the information that they have on somebody's expenditure. And you can take that information and say, well, actually, um, how much can they really afford? How much is coming in? How much is going out? So you can have more accurate data and mm -hmm. make make better informed um, judgments about somebody. And, you know, in regards to your questions about the risk, I think part of that is the risk is always there. And I think it's really important to, to emphasize that we still have to go through the process of mm -hmm. credit checks and due diligence and so forth. Uh, where, 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 we're, where we will be slightly different is that we can take a more, uh, using more accurate information um, and the way our product is structured, uh, maybe again, maybe lenient is, is the word to be used, but used within the right context of actually saying we can look at somebody um, and say, well, actually, under a conventional system, you might not be applicable. However, you can actually afford this based on the information that we have about you and mm. the securities that we have mm. within the product. The other key, key difference is we can, we can serve right to buy customers. So currently, uh, right to buy customers can't get the the, the current um, offering of Islamic mortgages out there because they require the bank to own the property from day one. It's only transferred to the customer right at the end, okay. and the, the local councils don't allow that. Hmm. So there's a lot, there's quite a lot of Muslim council tenants who want to buy their property under the right to buy scheme, but can't get an Islamic mortgage. Hmm. Whereas in our product, because they the customer owns the product from day one legally, hmm. so they would qualify. 
So, so that, that's, that, that, that's, we can provide that service to all of those people who are crying out for Islamic home finance right now. Brilliant. And um, so you guys have been running for, um, I know you've not launched, but you've been at this for a while now. Mm. Um, and you've been developing a product, you're working with the FCA to get approval. When, when do you think that will come along? So we're really hoping by the middle of this year. So Brilliant. actually, uh, the FCA uh, process has dragged on a bit. So back end of last year, we were getting very positive messaging saying that they're ready to approve us. Mm. And then unfortunately, the caseworker we had at the time, yeah. he actually went off on prolonged sick leave. Right, okay. And so it, we almost had to start the process again with a brand new caseworker. I see, I And see. so, you know, that first six months uh, has almost yeah. almost been wasted. Not so, entirely, yeah, but yeah. almost wasted. So it's just meant that the process has gone on far longer than we'd hoped. And um, once uh, you launch, I mean, I'm now thinking about really practically uh how um how many people will you be offering and i know we discussed before about um you doing a sort of hasana type approach mm. uh, do you want to talk us talk us through that yeah so we've actually got a hasana campaign at the moment where uh you know the the community uh sees the importance of, of this what we're trying to do what we're trying to achieve here is eliminate riba Right, we're trying to eliminate it, but we have a real opportunity here to do something about this curse. It shouldn't be acceptable to us as individuals to have to pay riba to purchase our homes. It shouldn't be acceptable to us as individuals that our children might have to pay riba to purchase their homes in yeah. the future. And if we have the chance to do something about that, we have a responsibility to do something about that. So yeah. that's what this initiative is really about. And so what we're doing is we're asking the community to provide some qard hasana. Yeah. Uh, to help us get off the ground. What is a Qarath Hasana? So a Qarath is an Islamic loan. It's effectively where I lend you some money and then you pay it back to me. Interest it's, not, it's not interest-based. Yeah. It's just a friendly, it means a beautiful loan, right? Um, so the idea being that those people who provide us with some Qarath Hasana, uh, they uh, become part of the Qarath Hasana pool and they have first right to our services once we are in a position to start doing business. So right now our waiting list, alhamdulillah, is three to five years long. We wow. have a massive waiting list of people who really, really want this product. Mm. But uh, the people who support our Qarath Hasana campaign, they go right to the front of that waiting list mm. and we uh, will serve everyone in that uh, part first before we uh, yeah. start serving the rest of our waiting list. Now, there's multiple benefits of this. One is that it means we can start doing business quickly and we can start supporting the people who want it the most. Yeah. Because the people who believe in this vision and believe in doing something with our own hands about eliminating riba, they're the ones who we feel will be supporting this initiative with some karatasana. It's not a risky investment, right? We're not promising to triple your money or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. We're just asking you to lend some money into the pot so that everybody can benefit from that part mm. and you'll get your money back inshallah in three to five years. Uh, but those people who you know really want to support this vision they are the very same people who we want to support first. It means we can get off the ground very quickly. Then we can start scaling up because now we've uh, you know, started doing business. Now we can have more institutional level conversations mm, and start mm. really scaling up. And um, how can someone who's interested um, you know, give you know, money to you guys? And how can they you know, get in touch with you guys? How much should they be, they be giving? Uh, is there like a minimum, maximum? Yeah, so, so uh, all the details are on the website primary-finance.com and we've got a campaign page on there, a support us page on the website. Uh, so we do ask for a minimum of a thousand pounds karathasana, uh, but you can really give as much as you like. Mm. Uh, and the people who support us the most and the earliest 
uh, they are the ones who will go highest in the pecking order when we come yeah. around to supporting people in that pot. Yeah. Uh, now, any money that is given in Qad Hasana, once we provide finance to those individuals, that counts towards your deposit. So mm -hmm. if we haven't already paid it back to you, that counts towards your deposit. If you need the money back at any point, uh, we'll do our very best to give it back to you. We don't mm -hmm. want to disadvantage people who are supporting us mm -hmm. at the end of the day. We want to, we're doing this to support people, not to hinder people. So the very worst thing we could do is put somebody yeah, into financial yeah, difficulty. Yeah. So if people need that money back, then we'll do our very best to give it back to them as soon as possible, inshallah. If anybody gives more than £10,000, uh, and there are a few people at that stage now, mashallah, then anything above the 10k is reserved exclusively for them and they can have it back on demand if they need it. Brilliant. And um, let's talk about the future. So um, where do you see yourself in five, ten years' time? Well, let's talk about 20 years' time. Okay. Our vision is in 20 years' time to completely shatter the conventional mortgage market. At, uh, you know, we believe in 20 years' time particularly if we get this grassroots level support now from the community so that we can start scaling up. We believe in 20 years time nobody is going to want a conventional mortgage anymore because it just doesn't make sense. Mm. When you can have, uh, as Sheikh rightly mentioned, you can choose a conventional mortgage where you're burdened with debt for the rest of your life. Mm. You know, the term mortgage is Latin, it means death grip. Mm. So the banks are, you know, cheekily selling us something called a death grip. You can have a, a death trap, a death trap, right, for the rest of your life, where you've got no flexibility in your payments, you've got no security in your home. Uh, you know, if you ever miss a payment, you may very well end up with nothing, even mm. if you've made payments on time all your life. Or for roughly the same price, you can have a product which uh, doesn't burden you with debt, where you have complete flexibility in your payments, and where you have complete security in your home. It doesn't matter whether you're Muslim or not, it's a complete no-brainer. So mm. we believe in 20 years' time, this is the product everybody's going to want. And actually, you know, in 20 years' time, if we're the only provider offering this, we haven't done our jobs. Because mm. we're doing this really to challenge the interest-based economy. Mm. We're not doing this to be the only provider, the monopoly, and, uh, you know, charging the premium to Muslims for being Muslims. Mm. We're doing this to try and show everybody that there is a better solution and that we should be demanding a better solution and mm. try and spark the change amongst the other institutions out there as mm. well, inshallah. I'd actually go a little bit further, and I'd appreciate that. You know, Raza's probably echoes the same thoughts on this. As in twenty years' time, as in mortgage is is one debt-based product on the market, but there's no reason why if you if you again let's just go out and let's look at it from a practical perspective the average that we talk about the mortgage because it's probably one of the biggest things that you're doing doing your life um, so and, and and again because you take out such a huge debt uh, but there are other things that day to day you might think about like you know I want to run a business or I want to you know I want to buy a car and as soon as you start going out into the market you might go oh, actually um, my my mortgage is halal but I need to buy a car, but now I'm going into interest or, you know, I, I want to go into business, I need a small loan and now I need to go into interest. So you see that that creeps into every aspect of your life. Yeah. And so, you know, when we kind of look at it, we're, I appreciate we're, we're looking at this in a nutshell of mortgages, but there's no reason why uh, in 20 years time that, that we haven't rolled this out to the other products. So mm. uh, again, echoing the same point here is that we want to eliminate um, uh, of, of interest effectively mm. uh, within the financial products um, because of the, the punitive effects that it has and so therefore any aspect that has interest in it that's where we're going to be targeting that's going to be. now whether you know 20 years is an aggressive um, uh, timeline for that but it's still achievable mm. and part of that is 
is this a spark for change? We'd mm. hope so, because you know the, the, the reason why is we're not here to, to create, like you said, a monopoly where mm. we're the only people providing this very unique product. And like we said, it's a very simple product. Mm. Um, but what we do want to do is spark that change. And if we have to be the people that do that, then so be it. And what we'd like is the community to recognize that this is impacting not just their the, the, the home purchasing decisions, but every other aspect. And so therefore, where they want to live a very truly, if you want to call it, quote unquote, Sharia compliant life or, you know, adhere to their faith. Or again, like, you know, I know we've talked about uh, Muslims and we talked about the, the kind of Islamic aspects of it. Mm. You know, right from the outset, this is a colorless product. It's vanilla. It's applicable to anybody that looks mm. at the mm. financial products and says, well, actually, that's quite unfair. That's quite unjust. That's punitive. Um, and for those people to say, well, actually, I want to support that as well. Mm. And it's not it's not a case of because you are Muslim, you get priority or because you're Muslim, this is only for you. But this is, you know, this is something that's very close to anybody within any uh, religious faith and denomination that believes that interest is is something whether they believe in the God or they don't, right. um, that interest mm -hmm. is unfair. And so that's why we believe that this is something in 20 years time that can roll out and hit every aspect of somebody's yeah. life. And, and that's actually a point worth dwelling upon a little bit. You know, the interest-based economy is effectively responsible for the enormous house prices that we see in this country. Mm. Yeah. It's because banks create artificial money yeah. That's what creates inflation. Yeah. Whereas this product tackles that because we're not creating artificial money. We're, mm. we're you know, we're, we're creating a true equitable partnership-based pro um, product. So the cost of a property should really be the cost of the bricks and mortars and the labour, plus a bit of profit on top. Whereas what we're seeing is a massive disparity between that cost and what houses actually cost, and it's mm. all due to that artificial inflation caused by the debt-based economy. So it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're a Muslim and believe that riba or interest is haram. There's clear socio-economic issues with the debt-based economy, yeah. which we are trying to yeah. fix. And so it's not just Muslims who we hope will be getting behind this. But what one thing we do say is, uh, you know, to individuals who are considering supporting the Qarthasana campaign, is to do it not because you go up in the pecking order and, mm. you know, you'll get supported first. That's not the point behind this. Mm. The reason to do it is because we have a responsibility here to give a better option to our children and to ourselves mm. for purchasing our homes and cars and mm. other other necessities in life in a way that pleases our Lord and which doesn't create a socio-economic problem. And that's what we're trying to solve yeah. here, right? You know, if people get behind us, we can't guarantee the success of the Karthasana campaign. We can't guarantee that every single person will be able to serve them immediately within the first six months. Right. Yeah. But what we can guarantee is that this will scale up inshallah, and actually start really making ripples in the debt-based economy mm. and actually start providing a better solution. And that is the reason to support this product. Inshallah, the benefit to individuals supporting us will come. Yeah. But the you know the the benefit to wider society mm -hmm. that's, that's something that's we all have a responsibility thing, yeah. towards Indeed. and that's the reason for supporting us. i'd like to reiterate that this is a collective responsibility on all of us mm. like when our when our parents came to this country they built basic social institutions like mosques and madrasas and halal food and those things um, but they just didn't have the skill set to create islamic financial institutions but our generation, we have no excuse. We have that skill set. Mm. And we have the ability to create non-debt-based, Islamic equity-based financial institutions, not just as a solution for Muslims, but, but a solution for the whole of society. The tremendous dawah impact of that, can you mm. imagine? Mm. The Muslim community in this country is seen as a, as a taking community. Mm. Whereas if we can pr give society a solution to financial crisis, 
that if yeah. if all finance in this country were done in this way, you you asked earlier about whether whether our product is shockproof mm. to, to 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 the credit crunch. Actually, it's much much more resilient than debt-based products mm. because debts are debts. When 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 there's a credit crunch, then the banks call in all the debt, and then there's massive d default. Yeah. Whereas because there's no debt. Even we can ride through a credit crunch mm. because there's no default. So mm. they just carry on paying rent as they would anywhere else. Mm. And then afterwards, they can just carry on buying more equity and paying more. Yeah. So, yeah. so our product is much, much more resilient, much, much more shockproof than a debt-based product. And if that can be rolled out to the whole of society, that can actually restructure the economy and prevent financial crisis. And can you imagine the whole of society realizing in 100 years' time, hang on, Islam and Muslims solved our financial crisis. Mm. Mm. That, yeah. That's what's at stake here. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, you know, the opportunity is there. We're offering the opportunity now, and it's a responsibility on all of us, especially as Muslims, to take yeah. that responsibility, yeah. right? It won't be acceptable when we're standing in front of our Lord and He asks us, You had the opportunity in front of you, what did you do about it? Mm. And we say, Ya Allah, I didn't need a house at the time, so I didn't support it. Yeah. Or Ya Allah, I waited for somebody else to do it. Or yeah. Ya Allah, I couldn't see the immediate. Uh, profit to myself. Mm. It won't be acceptable. We mm. have a responsibility to, in front of our Lord to be able to say, Ya Allah, mm. I saw the opportunity and I did something about it with my own hands. Mm. I previously hated it with my heart and I hated it with my tongue and once the opportunity arose, I hated it and did, did something, something with my hands. It, yeah. And that is a responsibility, especially as Muslims, on every single one of us. And that is the reason to support this initiative. Well, on that um, on that note, uh, let's wrap up. Uh, Jazakallah khair to all of you guys for um, making the time to come on to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Um, and uh, it's been a pleasure. And um, you know, I'm hoping that in 20 years' time we can reconvene um, on probably not a podcast. It probably doesn't exist at this point. I don't know what, what it will be. We're going to hail, you know, uh, graphic type thing, um, and find out, you know, uh, where we've got to. Inshallah. But Jazakallah khair. Inshallah before that as well. Yeah, definitely in five, ten, fifteen, twenty yeah. years, yeah. and see where we get to. Right. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum.